Are you tired of people only telling you what you want to hear and not what you need to hear? Me too. I'm Lauren Lahav, and for the last 30 years, I've been blessed to speak to thousands of people around the world and share the stage with some of the world's biggest thought leaders. The Get Real podcast is my way of breaking down the BS of the filters of what we say and what we do. Real life, real issues, real solutions. Trust me when I tell you, it wasn't always like that for me. And I'm excited to help you through sharing what has worked for me, but most importantly, what didn't work for me. In the world of political correctness and living our lives on social media, what is real? In my life, I always look to people who understand what I'm going through and are willing to be real with me to help me move through it. With this podcast, I want to be that person for you. Whether it's just us or I bring in one of my friends, I promise these episodes will make a difference in your life. So strap in, hang on tight, and let's get real. And now it's time to get into the podcast. Here's Lauren. Welcome, everybody, to Get Real and Stay True. You are in for a treat today with my dear friend, Lisa Lieberman-Wang. Gosh, I can't can't wait to talk about how long we've known each other and just like going through some of the pictures of us throughout these decades. I think it is a couple decades. Anyway, she is a number one international best-selling author of her book, Fine to Fab. Uh, she is a business and life coach. She's a co-creator of neuroscience and neuroassociative programming, NAP. I'm sure she'll go into that a little bit more. She appears regularly on ABC, CBS, NBC, Fox, the CW, TEDx, and recently received the top 25 leading women entrepreneurs. She helps women become even more pers- more successful personally and professionally and helping them overcome their blocks to really live true happiness. She's coached thousands of highly successful professionals, entrepreneurs, leaders in relationship, and on and on and on and on. I could talk more and more about her, but <laughs> let's just let's just talk about like why I really brought her on is because she lives it. Um, it's not theory. She lives all that she, you know, goes out there and teach. And so that, that to me, you know, I have a lot of people that contact me and say, Hey, I'd love to be on your podcast. And I say, yes, I'd love to have you. Um, and I go back and I see like, how are they living it? So, but if you watch her on social media, you'll see that she's the real deal as well. So anyway, um, gosh, you just asked me, you know, what do, what do I want to talk about? I don't know. Let's talk about, let's talk about whatever you want to talk about. I know you, a big thing that you talk about is overcoming self-sabotage, which I think is a great thing to talk about um, right now of what's happening in the world. And um, maybe let's just start there. Absolutely. So to go back to say specifically how long we know each other, if you can believe it, it's 26 years. Oh my and being God. we're only 30, it kind of is amazing that out of the room we came and there we were. And... <laughs> 26 years. Yes. It was a date with Destiny. It was at UPW 26 years ago. And it was um, my first event. And I was going through a process. And there you came. And you were there to support me. And we connected then and never disconnected in all that time, which is quite amazing. Was that East Brunswick? Where was that? It was in New Jersey. 
And I, at the time, was going through some challenges. I had an eating disorder. I was bulimic. I had a chiropractor, Dr. Debbie Turner, told me about Tony Robbins. I didn't even know who he was. And she said, he's having a fire walk. He can help you. So I thought he helped bulimics. <laughs> I had no idea who he was, what it was. And I was literally on her table, and she called and spoke to Chris Hendrickson and bought me a VIP ticket. I think that was the best ticket you can get at the time. And I was in the front row. And I remember when we're walking to the fire, I looked at Tony and I said, we were walking side by side. I said, will this help my bulimia? And he just smiled, never answered me, by the way, because <laughs> I had no idea still what I had signed up for. And we just connected then. And when I was going through a process, you were right there. And that was the beginning and never ended, which is very cool. That's crazy. I can, now that, now that I'm remembering, I, it's funny because I was probably on Sunday, when, well, back then it was Sundays, um, for the Dickens process. and That's exactly what it was. Wow. Yeah, because I was always the person right up front. They would position me. You know, <laughs> always positioned in the room, you know, as a trainer. Everybody gets their positions. Well, back then, you know, I was the one that was right there um, on, the, on the right side for Tony and just uh, making sure to take care of those people. Yay! How yes, and, and that's, and the reason I know it's 26 years of me being abstinent from hurting myself and that's how I know how long it is, because that was the beginning of the end of my dis-ease with myself. I call it a dis-ease versus disease, and realizing that I had pretty much been sabotaging myself for 13 years at that point, and in and out of hospitals, and, and not knowing how to deal with it. And I think today, with what we're dealing with in the world of dis-ease, with whether it's the coronavirus or there's other things we do to ourselves mentally that we're blowing things up out of proportion, not knowing how to deal with it and sometimes becoming very unresourceful. And at that time I was super unresourceful and I was using food to feel better. And when I had realized that it wasn't working, I totally started studying from everybody I ever heard Tony mention in his books and traveled around the world and realized there was a better way to do things. And one of the things I did is when I had wrote the book, Find to Fab, it was seven secrets to the successful woman's journey away from depression, disordered eating, and self-sabotage. Because I would never have given myself credit for sabotaging myself. Like I would have said, no, you don't understand. All these bad things happened to me. There was a reason for this. Like it wasn't my fault. And the truth is that a lot of this stuff was not necessarily my fault. I was date raped at 16, attacked by an employer at 18, an associate at 19. I can say it wasn't my fault, or I can take some responsibility for maybe not knowing better, making poor decisions, putting myself where I didn't need to be. I don't say I asked for it, but the way I dealt with it wasn't good. And I think that something might have happened to somebody at one point, but then it does, it's not happening again, but yet we continue to punish ourselves for a lifetime. That's self-sabotage. Right. And that's exactly what, what, what I was doing. What caused you to say, that's it, something's got to change? I think that... and. And what do you see when you talk about self-sabotage? I mean, you went through it a little bit about the, the different ways that, you know, we do self-sabotage. What, what got you to go, this is it, something's got to change? I think the biggest part was I stopped making it about me. Mm. I was so focused on poor me, poor me, poor me. You don't understand. You don't understand how bad it is for me and all the other stuff. And there was a moment in time when, honestly, it was through the Dickens process when he said, who else are you affecting? And I actually saw my grandma and my grandma used to say, baby, baby, you know, take care of your mother's daughter. 
And she said, I was so good at taking care of everybody else, but I wasn't taking care of me. And there was that moment, I couldn't even feel it right now, that was like, I just saw grandma hurting and I didn't want her to hurt. Like it was okay for me to hurt, but it wasn't okay for her. And that moment made me say, you know what? This is not just about me. And I kept telling my whole family in and out of hospital six times over 13 years. I'd say, this is my problem. It's not yours. Leave me alone. Never realizing the ramifications and how it was affecting them. Like my dad was falling asleep behind the wheel coming home. He couldn't fix his daughter. He, you know, my mother, they were all freaking out with the hospitals and me trying to kill myself, quite honestly. And they didn't know what to do. And I kept saying, this is not about you not even realizing how I was affecting others. And when I took myself out of the equation and said, wait, stop the selfish, go to self-love. And how is this affecting not just me, but others? Total wake-up call and saying, you know what? This is, not, this is not working anymore. Yeah, I definitely understand that as a parent, you know, understanding that, you know, having to let my kids help them to understand, help them to see that it, it uh, the processional effect of how many people that it does affect, yeah. right? And so let's talk a little bit about what you've seen over these years and the people that you've helped of ways that one, they decided to like uh, stop blaming. I don't know. I, I always go back to blaming, shaming, justifying. Maybe yeah. you can talk a little bit about that and how you've seen that show up and how people have turned that around. Well, I, I, use, I use avoiding years of blame, sh shame, and therapy all the time because I think a lot of people think this story is, let me go to therapy and I'm going to talk about it. But to me, that's just telling the same story over and over again and having a wound that heals. You pull the scab off and you go out, you roar again, and it doesn't change anything. It's not until we actually change our beliefs. And there's a great example I use around the word belief. The word belief has a three-letter word in the middle of it. It's lie, right? So beliefs are the lies we tell ourselves, and there's not one belief we can prove. Give you an example. I was told, never rely on a man. Well, I would never be married again if that was true because I have an amazing husband, right? But my mother told me that thinking she's going to protect me, right? That's a, that was a lie. People were told, what are the beliefs? Money doesn't grow on trees. But yet money does grow on trees because it's made of paper. <laughs> like what are the lies we've been told? And I truly believe that if we're going to believe these lies, we should believe something that's more empowering than to serve us than what we choose to go over and over again. And when we continue to live in the past versus being present or in the future, where Ellen Muth said on a TED Talk, we're pissing on today. So the idea of blame and shame is carrying the stuff that something may have happened to you, but you continuing to hold on to it is now you're doing it. It's not about somebody else anymore. So having to change that whole cycle is important. And the studies have shown that 55% of our beliefs were formed by the time we're five years old by well-meaning teachers, preachers, guardians, and parents. And the other 45% of our beliefs were based on that foundation. So it's not until we change those beliefs that we can actually change where we are. Yeah, that's crazy when we think about it, right? And when we think about self-sabotaging behaviors can include anything from procrastination, right? Things could be, I mean, self-sabotage could mean um, self-medicating, yep. right? so it could include comfort eating. Um, what are some, I mean, I know a big, big one was cutting, right? With regards to those things. Can you talk a little bit about just self-sabotage and, um, you know, and, and how people can identify it, change, 
you know, and really make some of those drastic shifts for themselves that where it becomes part a new identity for themselves? Oh, absolutely. You know, one of the things is that if you're finding, if you're actually finding yourself or anybody you love that is so focused on them and they're caught up in it, meaning they're using something, I do use the word dis-ease, dis-ease with themselves, where the way they deal with things is, is like you said, self-medicating through food or alcohol or relationships or sex or cutting or spending, I call it retail therapy and all these other things where we're going to go do something that makes you feel better now. If it's just making you feel better now, this is a temporary fix. If you're in that mode where you're in a temporary fix where it's going to make me feel better in the moment, but at the end, it's like an ostrich putting their head in the sand and your butt's still sticking out. It didn't change any of your situation, only made it worse. You know you're self-medicating. You know you're self-sabotaging because you just took what was bad and made it worse. So if you recognize that that's where you are, where you've incurred debt or bad relationships and other things because of it, then the first thing is acknowledging fear and doubt. So in the book, I go through seven secrets, and the first one's acknowledging fear and doubt. The second is taking inventory of life's lessons and beliefs. Where did it come from? You know, some of the things we were told, I remember, think about your kids, Lauren, they were young, and I remember when they were young and they're toddlers, and I, I was with you when you had two, and then third came and so forth. But you know, that you tell them, don't talk to strangers, right? And when they're young, it totally makes sense. But when they get older, it's, it's not a rational thing to tell them because business and relationships is always going to be strangers. But there are things that we're, we do at one point that serves us and later it doesn't. So we have to acknowledge the fear and doubt. Where is it coming from? Is it real? If it's not, how do we change it? The other thing is that taking inventory of life's lessons and beliefs. Where did this come from? And if it served me at one time, if it's no longer serving me, what do I need to do to change that now? Because sometimes, like Dr. Virginia Satir said, every human being will return to familiar. That means if it was normal for you to feel bad, you're going to keep looking for ways to feel bad. If it's normal for you to feel good, you're going to keep finding ways for you to do that. But if you're looking for the scapegoat and you want to use the blame and shame and you're going to stay there, then you're going to return to familiar. You need to make the change. But the thing that changes is that when you make a decision and a decision is to put an end to any other option, it says, I no longer want to be this person. You know, and who is it I want to be? You can do it like this, literally like this, because a decision cuts off any other option. But what ends up changing for you is your identity is who you are. Like when a smoker becomes a non-smoker, you know, when I'm, I don't classify myself as bulimic or a survivor or any of the other things years ago, when I had gone to 12-step programs, it didn't actually work for me because I didn't like the identity shift of saying, you know, I'm, I'm this, that's not who I am. I'm Lisa Lieberman Wang. That's, that's who I am. You're Lauren Slocum Lahab. That's it. You know, but people put identities around their isms or what they're dealing with, and they need to release that. It's not until they release it that they can actually move forward to step into their greatness. So why do people sabotage themselves? Well, it goes back to our human needs. It fills a need for certainty. It fills a need for uncertainty in some way and variety. It gives you significance to feel good. It becomes an addiction to do it. When we're not meeting our six human needs, and I know you teach this because you're masterful at all this, you're, you're the pro in this area, is one of the things is that we're going to do things, whether we're looking at Maslow's hierarchy of needs or Tony Robbins' six human needs, if something fills at least three or more of our human needs, it becomes an addiction and we'll keep doing it. And if you don't find a healthy way to meet your needs, you'll continue to go back to what you're doing. And that's the challenge. We need to give people more healthy ways to meet their needs for loving connection, for certainty, for significance, for growth contribution, for, you know, for I missed one. 
for I what did I just do uncertainty uncertainty, <laughs> uncertainty. <laughs> you need to have to find the ways to meet all those needs uh, I love I mean I love everything that you're sharing with regards to this I I, I think that um, like you said, when, when you stop focusing on yourself, right, because that's really what self-sabotage is all about you and not understanding how many people that it can affect. Um, did, tell me a little bit about wh where you are now and what, you know, what you've done to condition that for yourself and no longer, you know, self-sabotage or, or what people can do in times like now. It's like, like people say, well, you don't understand. I mean, I remember when the recession happened, I mean, it, it comes up. I mean, this is always going to show up. You know, oh, you don't understand what, what, and most people do understand because they've been through it in some way. Like you said, I might not understand because I'm not cutting, but I might be doing that whatever retail therapy, right? How are those things, even though they're so different, the same? And how do people realize that they're the same? You know, anything that takes you out of yourself is, is self-sabotage. Anything that takes you to numb you, to make you feel better now in that moment is an impulse, is self-sabotage. If I want to just explain the, the unconscious mind for a second and not confuse people, but I'll make it as easy as I can. Freud has this iceberg model. Do you remember it? It's like a little, it's a thing. And on the bottom, there's a ship. The ship actually stands for your strategies, your habits, your impulses, and physiological control. It's why you do what you do. This has been built. This is the 55% that was built before you even knew it, right? Then you have the pre-conscious, which is when you're hungry, angry, lonely, tired. You're usually hungry for love, love hungry for attention. You're angry, you're lonely, you're tired. You want something more. You really need to halt, stop what you're doing, but you may not. And then your conscious mind is your war. That's your willpower, analytical, and rational thinking. Here's what happens to most people and why they sabotage themselves. Here they are. They're, I'm going to use food as an example, being that used to be my vehicle. It isn't anymore. And you're sitting there and you're hungry. You're angry. You can blame the world. The, the whole world is coming to an end. Things are bad. Relationship isn't good. Financial situation is bad. Things are bad. I don't care what you use as an excuse. It's whatever you choose to use. And you turn around and you say, things aren't good. And all of a sudden you see a chocolate cake. And you say, well, you know, I know I shouldn't have the cake, but I haven't eaten lunch yet. And you kind of look at it and you start, you start saying willpower. Well, I'm going to, no, I'm not going to have, I'm not going to have it use the willpower, the war on top. Then you analyze it and you say, you know what, but that cake has eggs in it. It's a protein and I haven't eaten lunch yet. So that's good. The eggs are good. Right. And then we rationalize and we say, well, it has chocolate and that's an antioxidant. So we know that's good for us. Right. So now we just waged a war on ourselves and we should have halted, stop what we were doing because we weren't resourceful and we take down our ship. And before we know it, we're in this crazy, vicious cycle and don't understand how we're getting there. It has everything to do with managing our state. And I always, I liken it to our energy triangle, which has to do with everything about our state and how we're holding our body and how we're taking care of ourselves, the language we're using and the questions we're asking ourselves, as well as the focus. So we hear present in the past or in the future. It's not until we understand that we need to be in the present, understanding what's going on, finding resourceful ways to go through things and the questions and things we're saying to ourselves. You know, I ask my clients to say 50 things when they show up at the personal best, what's unique and amazing about them. And I do this every single morning. I've been doing it for decades and I say it out loud. Yardley believes me now. So he thinks I'm absolutely amazing. I'm like, I'm fabulous. I'm awesome. I'm beautiful. I'm amazing. And he thinks I am too, because he hears it every day. 
But the thing is, is that if we don't recondition all these positive things, we're going to go back and fall into that old behavior. And that's really what has to happen is we have to acknowledge we're doing it and then make the decision to change it. So it's really like, um, you know, uncovering these self-sabotaging triggers is really just going deep and having that self-examination, right? It's kind of like what people maybe did during this uh, coronavirus, um, putting themselves in, you know, putting them in self-isolation in a way because you have to clean out those drawers. You have to, you know, maybe go to the attic and get rid of some of those boxes that are covered with dust. Would you say that's a lot about it is just acknowledging it? Well, number one step I shared is acknowledging fear and doubt. You need to know you're doing it and it's not going to happen. You have to also take ownership of it. When you could, if you continue to play the victim, it doesn't change. So right. we have to own it and not saying that we caused what happened or anything else. I don't care if you're in a position where you're upset because you're heavy. Well, you know what? Garbage in, garbage stays in. Somebody's contributing to that. I don't care if it's because you say that someone left you. There's still two people in a relationship. I don't care if you're saying about finances. I was a self-made millionaire at 30, lost it all at 40, and I was a half a million dollars in debt just 17 years ago. I had to start over. And if I didn't have the mindset right here, the six inches between my head, and made a decision of who, what my identity was, that I was an achiever, I was going to figure it out, that nothing was going to hold me back, I would have been back into the food, I would have been back into the old behaviors, I would have been the victim mentality, and I would have had plenty of blame for everybody else. But instead, it was I had to take responsibility. I didn't pay attention to the market. I worked for MCI. They became WorldCom. They went bankrupt the Enron story, all these things. I had to take responsibility whether I liked it or not. Otherwise, we can't move forward. Yeah, I love that. And then and it's it's really like about uncovering those patterns, right? Of that yes. self of that self-sabotaging. And I know that lots of times we always talk about, you know, be, um, the power of questions with regards to yourself. And I know personally, you know, a, a great thing that I've seen, like especially I'll just use mine maybe shopping. I would probably say shopping and is that really like a, what was I thinking, you know, before I noticed this emotion It's kind of like, you know, what was I thinking before I like went and I'm a good shopper, but I'm also a really good returner because I do realize sometimes I have a challenge, you know, that like when I'm not in a resourceful state that I might just go buy a bunch of stuff. Yeah. I don't buy often, you know, but like I, like I said, I only buy my clothes a couple times a year. Um, but then like, I'll go back and, but I might, it's kind of like a little bit like, um, you know, like, like I, like a indulging maybe a little too much for myself. Yeah. And then I found my, it's kind of like when you eat too much, right. And like, what was the emotion that I was feeling? Like, was it that I was feeling a lack, um, a lack, was I feeling lack? What, what happened with freaking the toilet paper thing, right? right. Was what happened for people. I mean, personally for me, um, when I went through, when I was living in Fiji and we went through one of the worst hurricanes ever, Quinn was actually potty training at the time. And I was like, well, I guess it's going to be a great time for us not to, you know, for you to become, you know, potty trained because there were no diapers, right? So instead of going, oh my gosh, there's no diapers. I went, well, it's going to be a great opportunity for us to, to, to not have diapers anymore, right? <laughs> <laughs> so like like you said, like what? But then, right? Then the whole thing came up, like uh, that we were living. You know, you've been to Fiji, yep. And there's not many places on the on the island to, to shop. And that's for me. Like when I did start, I mean, I've always had toilet paper every month. Um, Amazon comes and delivers toilet paper, Clorox wipes, and 
paper towels to me. And just last week, I got a message from Amazon saying your automatic shipment will not be shipped, you know? <laughs> and so, but, but once again, that's a, that's another way, you know, like how do we do it? What are the emotions that we're feeling at that time when we're doing it? Is that correct? Absolutely. Your, with, your thing. So I just, with, with, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, understanding that everything we do is, is an emotion that triggers a response and you can look at it and some will serve us and some won't. And we have to really look and say, is this serving me? And if it was at one point, that's awesome. And if it's no longer, you get the option to change it. Right now with the coronavirus, and if we want to go there, and whether this is seen at the time or after, it doesn't even matter, it's still that scarcity mindset. Maslow's hierarchy of needs is the first level self-actualization is survival. And yep. people are in the survival state right now. And because of it, there's, there's not even a logical sense of why people are doing what they're doing. The, the, the supermarket is barren. I went with, I do not normally go food shopping and I decided to go with my husband and there was no paper. There was no toilet paper. There was no bread. I don't eat bread. There was no milk. I don't drink milk. They limited the amount of stuff. There was no vegetables. I, there was no salad. There was like, everything was barren. I was taking pictures of barren things. And yes, I had it. Yeah, I saw it on Facebook. I at like it. 10 o'clock at night, um, what was it, 9 o'clock at night? And I even said to the guy, I said, is it that there's nothing here or they haven't been getting deliveries? Or He goes, well, it's kind of both. He says, we're waiting on deliveries. It's been two days. And when it does come in, people are in such a scarcity mindset. Lauren, even though I could have found stuff, I was not choosing anything that would be not healthy for me because it's against my identity of who I am. I don't do that to myself anymore. So yes, you could have gotten all the crap food you wanted, but that's not who I am. I don't put that in my body because if we're worried about our immune system, we're not gonna put unhealthy things in our body. Right. So right, right now people are kind of incongruent. The fact that they're putting bread, which is not good for them, milk, dairy is not good for them, but they're loading up on this and it's not even healthy. That's, that, that's the survival level is my point. They're in a survival mindset. And we have to realize that how we do anything is how we do everything. It's getting out of that mindset is going to change, you know, your future from sabotaging yourself. Otherwise, you'll just switch addictions. You'll find one thing, this isn't working. Okay, now I stopped using food, so now let me smoke pot. I stopped using pot, let me do spending. I stopped doing this, let me do that. If you don't fix this part here, all the other stuff is just going to be another ism. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And so lots of times um, with regard that it was, it's very interesting, you know, with regards to that it was, it was very interesting to watch where people were at. And once again, though, you, it was going to that basic need of survival. But now, hopefully, it's moving to that next stage. Hopefully, I'm just saying, um, as we're record, we are recording this. So it might be after hopefully this all blows over. But maybe people have more of an awareness of how they're showing up. You know, hopefully I'll get people to go, oh my gosh, have, what other things have I been doing to self-sabotage, you know, who I am and what I stand for? What, I mean, you, we know where you were at. Where are you, where are you now? And what do you, what do you see for yourself moving forward? Just yeah, and, and the other thing is, who do you want to be? And then how do you step into that? There's, there's all these things about modeling. Like you can actually step into somebody else. If you, if you don't have the resources, think of someone who does. I mean, you're such a big leader 
in your in your world, Lauren, and the people who follow you. It's like if someone wants to be stronger and be a businesswoman and be able to be a great mom and a family, you know, be able to create the family and all the things important, they can just you can they can just say, you know what? Well, what would Lauren do in this situation? And how do I show up as her? Because modeling is so important. And I remember there were times when I didn't feel resourceful and I, I felt like, okay, I know the answers are within me, but maybe I can't see them right now. Maybe I'm not cognizant of what's too going close on. To the fire, maybe too close to the fire, right? Yeah, but not seeing it. But then you can turn around and say, well, who do I know that if I had the resources they had, how would they deal with this situation? That could be a great way to deal with things. You know, would the answer be to put my head in the sand? Would the answer to be to show up and, and just take and take charge and go forward with this? And you can actually model other people's other people's resources and traits and personalities and kind of like try them on. It's like try, hand me down beliefs. It's hand me down, you know, physiology, attitude, all the other stuff. And then say, does it fit? If it fits, wear it. If it doesn't, don't. But instead of playing victim to I can't, I won't, you know, I think the interesting thing is like you dealt with that in Fiji. I dealt with having everything, losing it, starting over again. I mean, people turn around right now. They feel like you're in scarcity. We couldn't pay our mortgage. We're selling things off. We didn't know. It's, it was almost, for me, worse than what this is now because I'm not in that situation now. But I know what it felt like when I was. And we did not have this virus. I had that one. That one too. It's almost like thank goodness that we've had those because now we have those have become um, tools in our tool belt, right? Yes. A little. I mean, like I remember the recession here, and I was like, "Are you kidding me?" You know, I think my I think our million dollar house sold for three oh four, and we had to pay forty five thousand dollars to get out of it. And I'm like, "Oh my God, we did all the right things. We put two hundred and fifty thousand dollars, you know, down on our house." I mean, I was like, oh pawning everything you know like i was like oh my gosh but like you said like if people can realize that that is going to be a tool you know a tool that they might have to use whether for not just for themselves but might be able to help somebody else you know down the line absolutely and then we had it with hurricane sandy yeah. We we had we had outages we couldn't live in our own home we had no electricity no water for weeks and you know, I think what it is, is all perspective. And right now in anything, I hope that if you're watching this, you look at it as how did you deal with the situation? How could you have dealt with it? What did you learn from this that you can use to move forward? I think, you know, the adversity of, of all these things that happen, is it really happening to us or for us? And then what could you have done to, not that we could prevent the virus, but what could we have done to prevent the ramifications that it caused us? Did we have to be smarter with our money? Did we have to find more resources? Did we have to be prepared, taking better care of our health so we wouldn't worry about that? Um, how did we con connect with other people? I think that the mistake people are making in the seclusion is the seclusion. I think we need each other more now. And I think the connection is even more important now than it ever was before. So thank God for podcasts and Zooms and go to meetings and all these other services that we need to bring community together when people feel like they're alone. Yeah, we've been doing um, a, a nine a coffee meetup and then every one. So we've been doing, I think, something at nine, something at one, and it's going to keep going. Like now it's going to be part of just every, my daily life. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like awesome. And like today we did the, this really cool thing. So this girl, she picked a card and she said, okay, where's a place that you've been to over this past year that, um, you, you know, blew, blew your mind just with regard. And everybody shared all these cool places that I'd never even heard of, 
right? Yeah. Before sharing cool experiences that they have. So like you said, it's that connection again and having that awareness that it then um, to plug in again and to be more aware. And when you're more aware, you make better decisions. I think that's Absolutely. what people, and you won't self-sabotage as much, right? And so many things I think are be, uh, with regards to self-sabotage or anything or, or is that we're, that awareness isn't then, you know, as you know, my husband's in security. And every time I do an event, I bring in one of his guys to talk about awareness, right? Always. When you walk into a room or like if you, if someone just, you know, did something and you, you know, maybe you, they sneezed and then you, they touched the door, you know, in the past, maybe you weren't aware of that, but now maybe you're more aware of it, right? What are the things that you need to do? So, and more aware of your actions, like maybe even taking a, um, uh, you know, just taking a day and writing down all of the decisions that you make and ask, was I aware in that decision or was I totally, you know, unconscious about what I just did? And just like, uh, you know, because I think a lot of self-sabotage, right, is that, help me out here, a lot of self-sabotage is that you're just doing it without thinking about it. You're right. reacting versus responding. The reaction is the ship I talked about. The strategies have its impulse physiological control. That's the reaction, like the knee-jerk reaction when someone hits your knee versus responding is when you take a step back, you take a breath. <sighs> what do we need? I'm present in this moment. What is it I need to do now? What are the three questions you ask yourself to be more present in this moment? Oh, well, my first question I ask myself is what's good about this? Mm -hmm. No matter what's going on, I literally rely on that. That's my go-to. What's good about this? And how can I see the gifts in this moment? And what's the best thing for me right now? Because I think it's really easy to react to any situation. And I just choose not to. I actually tell people I will not participate in their pity party. I will not participate in their reactions. I just choose not to go there because I lived there for so long and it's very painful. And I just don't want to live there anymore. I love that. And so there's more, there's more, you're not that you're like, you said, that's it. Like you cut the boat. You're like, no more. No, no more. more. <laughs> so someone who says to themselves right now, well, I don't know. I kind of like this, like where I'm at. Cause they, cause they're comfortable, right? We all know that everything we want is outside of our comfort zone. So what would you say to somebody who doesn't want to make that shift right now? Well, I mean, I think the first thing I'd ask is what are the, what's the benefit of staying in it? You know, a lot of people will turn around and say, the first question I ask that often, I say, well, what's the benefit of being there? And they'll always say, there's no benefit. I'm like, no, there's absolutely a benefit. You know, are you getting attention from family members? Maybe not the kind you want. Maybe you're getting negative attention when you want positive attention. You know, what's the benefit? Maybe you're getting pity love and you really want real love. You know, maybe you're getting... Um, whatever it is, there's a benefit. I think you have to ask yourself, how, what is it giving you? And then is there a better way to get that that will be more serving than what you're doing yourself? Awesome. Well, this has been amazing. I know people got tons of value. Any, let me ask you the final question that I ask everybody. What's something that you do every day to stay true to yourself? Oh, what do I do to stay true to myself? I, I'm, a, I'm a person for regimens and routines. I, I do what I do every day. I get up. I take First thing I do is get a kiss from my husband. I do. We get a kiss when I wake up in the morning. I get a kiss when I go to bed at night. That's what's staying true to myself. And what's important to me is, is taking care of me and my relationship is, is there and then my relationship with God. So that keeps me congruent. My number one value is integrity. So if I stay in integrity with that, it makes it easy. 
And also, I'd like to offer everybody the book. If you'd like my number one bestseller, I'll send you the link. I don't even know what the link is, Lauren, but I'll send you the link that you can offer the book for free. Awesome. Amazing. And how can they get a hold of you if they want to know more information about you and everything that you're doing? Go to findtofab.com or Lisa Lieberman Wang. I just came out with a new book. I just want to say it. There's a new book out. And this one we're giving for free, but you're just going to cover the shipping and handling. Um, this is brand new, Become the Experts. If you want to be able to, to have a step-by-step -step guide to create your own personal unique brand, brand and for all the people who are looking to go out there and right now build their business and build second opportunities and so forth you'll be interested in this to create more clients more often more sales so but this is brand you become the expert go to lisalieberminwang.com or find to fab but i'll send you the link for this because i don't remember it right now <laughs> okay we'll make sure to put it in the um description as well Yes. So thank you my friend it's always great to see you whether it be gosh the last time we were together I think we went and put 20 bucks in a, a slot a machine. Slot machine. <laughs> <laughs> well, can I say one thing? The, the good thing, I will say the good thing about it, and I think both of us realize this. We said we're going to put 20 bucks in, and then we're going to win or not, right? I mean, I'm just saying it without you even like, right? I'm just, I think you were about to say it, mm -hmm. and I said it, and we're like, okay, either we're going to walk away, so we know when to walk away, right? Or what that's, did you say about that? That's, what I was also going to say is I wanted to give you credit for something, and it was more of the fact that, I would not be doing today what I'm doing if it wasn't for you. Oh. Oh. And, I, and I didn't get to say that, and I really do mean that because, um, and for you listening, I think it's important, Lauren has known me for 26 years, but it was 10 years ago, I'm gonna cry. And we were in Egypt, and we were in the Four Seasons in the lobby, and, she, and you said to me, you're supposed to be helping women. And I said, no, I teach people how to make money. And you told me, no, you're supposed to be helping women. I don't know where that came from. I never asked you where it came from. And you, and you were implying I was playing small and I've never played small as you know. And it turned out that a year later, I don't know if you know this, the same week, a year later, I woke up and I came downstairs. Oh, you said I was supposed to be doing both. And a, a year later, I came downstairs and my Yardley was on the bottom of the steps. And you know, I call him handsome. And I said, handsome, I'm supposed to save lives. I just woke up and I don't know, out of nowhere. And I said, I'm supposed to save lives. I don't know how I'm going to do it. You have to take over the other businesses. This is what I'm going to do. I got in the computer and Dr. Walker tagged a picture of you and I and our feed in that very conversation within the time I had been on the computer before on Facebook. And I looked up, sitting in this, where I am now, I looked up, I said, okay, God, I got the message a year to the week of that very conversation. That is crazy. That is crazy. I remember that. I remember we had just gotten off, we were on a bus and Dr. Walker and I had gotten into a little bit um, of a, a discussion, if you would, because mm -hmm. I kept talking about how important sleep was. Do you remember that? I don't know if you remember that. And he's like, no, you don't, I love him. And it was funny, and you know, he's, he's a pretty congruent man. And I remember, he's like, you don't need sleep, where's the research? I'm like, you know, you need at least eight hours of sleep. You know, you need your body to repair, you know, all of your organs to prepare, that that's the most important time. And <laughs> I remember, I think probably it was the next year, he sent me something saying, you're right, you're right, you do need sleep. So that was a very special trip, a very defining moment in my life, as you know, as well. I mean, that's really probably one of the, I remember us being in Israel. I'm like, oh gosh, I was at my 45th birthday. That's what it was. 
and I decided to make the decision at the wall what was next for my relationship I'm like oh I'm probably never gonna be back here in Israel oh my gosh and made the decision that Shore and I were just gonna do our parenting differently and um, we've been together for 18 years and I'm like oh, I'll probably never be back in Israel oh my gosh I just can't believe this but it was a big moment and who would know that I'd be married to an Israeli <laughs> so uh you just never know right it's like uh, Kathy Buckley always says you want to make God laugh you tell him you tell her um your plan so yeah. Anyway, wishing you all health and happiness. And thank you, Lisa, for joining us. And I am excited for everybody to share this podcast with their friends. So thanks so much. And get your copy of Find a Fab. Thanks, Lisa. Thank you. Love you. Are you ready to start 2020 strong? Go to laurenlahab.com. That's L-O-R-E-N-L-A-H-A-V.com and learn more about Lauren's manifestation course. Use code STAYTRUE for your podcast subscriber discount.